I'm Leslie, and this is a podcast about the hobbies where misfits belong. It's niche to meet you. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Niche to Meet You podcast. We just wrapped up a four-part miniseries about Warhammer 40,000, and if you listened, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did listen, you'll be familiar with the subject of this episode. Her name's Ariana Scalfo. You heard her voice on the last and final episode of the miniseries. Ariana's been playing 40K for years, and it was introduced to her by her boyfriend, Alex Viata. Together, they own a fitness company called Complete Human Performance. They're pioneers in a specific type of exercise called hybrid training. It includes strength and endurance, and they actually have a Space Marine workout program. The link to find it is in the show notes, but essentially, they take different factions and use narrative and challenges to build an entire training cycle. It's super cool. You should check it out. When she and I talked, we touched on a few topics that I only lightly touched on in the previous episodes. Some people have asked for this full interview on TikTok, so I'm happy to provide it. A video version is also available on YouTube. The conversation is slightly edited just to make it make sense for this format, but other than that, there's not much editing in this. If you want to hear more bonus episodes with full interviews, including those with Rick Priestley and Andy Chambers, the creators of 40K, just let me know. Visit niche2meetyou.show slash feedback and provide some feedback there. You can also tell me about things you disagreed with or didn't like or had questions about, and I might just feature them in a future bonus episode. When Ariana and I had this conversation, I didn't press record until after our intros and salutations were already complete, and we kind of jumped right in. So this conversation starts with her explaining why she thinks it's interesting to ask about the why behind Warhammer 40,000, why it's interesting I talked to Andy and Rick. So please enjoy this conversation with Ariana Scalfo. I think for a lot of Warhammer fans, there's this, there's this immediate jump into lore or to playing or to the world or to the rules. And no one really considers that someone had to create it. Oh. And I think especially now because Games Workshop opened up the IP to everyone and there's so many different contributors to lore. You've got people talking about Dan Abnett who writes the books or you've got people talking about a certain artist who makes the figures. I think we all forget that like a guy actually wrote the game mm-hmm. and that it was inspired by a certain set of things and that rogue trader existed. There are some people who 100% know that, but I think that on the flip side, there are a lot of Warhammer fans who are probably really happy and excited to hear an interview with the creator or someone who was involved in its inception. It sort of seems like it's been around forever. Well, it doesn't really matter who made it, right? That's kind of the great, the greatness about it. It doesn't matter who made it. Yeah. But it's kind of, I'm sure it's kind of fun to hear the voice of and it was so funny is meeting rick he's such a like fellow is the word that comes to mind he's just an unassuming fellow you know Uh and yet he's and you ask him about it and he's like oh well i feel like just like a proud proud grandfather was the word he the phrase he used for talking about the henry cavill thing i just feel like a proud grandfather just a darling man i love him and he wrote this like grim dark oh my gosh it is, yes, and he is such a, a jolly fellow. And then even when you ask him about the Grimdark, he says, mm. he giggles about it kind of. Oh, well, I thought it might be funny if I imagined this. But then he, he did it because he wanted to imagine a world so big that people yeah. could put their own hope into it. 
which, yeah. you know, is just so gracious of him, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's so unpresuming. He's, he's not very presumptuous. You know, he's, yeah, it's just like, well, I, it's almost like, well, how was I supposed to tell people what to make of it? I just created yeah. the world. I mean, that's sort of what Tolkien meant to do when he wrote Lord of the Rings is to create that world and let people sort of LARP in it. So mm-hmm. I think it's very much, I mean, gosh, the parallels are, are pretty strong there with him even writing that about his experience being in kind of that war era, topic, future, like. Which Tolkien was too. So there, yes, exactly. I got so excited when he talked about Tolkien because I grew up on the movies, right? Mm-hmm read Lord of the Rings for the first time a couple of years ago. And so it was just fun to hear somebody talking about Tolkien from a very different perspective, but it's still right. You yeah. know, how did you come to 40K? Uh, forgive me what I've learned through all this, even as I was working on episode four today, 40K is a distinctive under the Warhammer banner, right? Because you have Age yeah. of Sigmar. You mentioned Rogue Trader, which is a sort of like earlier adaptation of Warhammer. But, you know, when I say Warhammer, I don't necessarily mean 40K. So are mm-hmm. you 40K or what, what do you participate in? I totally prefer the science fiction, grimdark, okay. far future technology. Like I, I prefer that. Age of Sigmar is like fun, but it doesn't hold the same, doesn't have the same vibes. Like <laughs> <laughs> The dark vibes are intriguing to you. You like them. Yeah, yeah. So what about that brought you in? I grew up, I'm super nerd. Like. I had a library card and I would read the maximum amount of books you could take out in two weeks, every two weeks. And then I would get more. And most of them were either history or like fantasy and the high fantasy kind. I read Lord of the Rings. I read C.S. Lewis. I read literally everything. Any, any fantasy book that had a dragon on the cover or it was about elves, I read it. I think I OD'd. A little bit, like I still have not much love <laughs> for that entire world. But mm-hmm. I think for me, like if I read, and then the elves, and it's like a, a beautiful race of people who are vi- like, I think for me, the idea of elves that ruled the galaxy and were super powerful until chaos god basically destroyed them and they destroyed themselves. Like, okay, I'll read about that. Elves and spaceships, elf pirates. It's refreshing. It sounds blood. like it was refreshing. It was refreshing yeah. for you instead of what? having these like yeah. it's me sliding on it instead of a beautiful blonde Legolas, you know, valiantly doing the thing. It's a little bit more interesting to have. Yeah, like trust or- I still have its knives. Like I still I have my memorabilia. She he will never leave my heart. Yeah, yeah, super nerd. I'm not joking. But there was just something about the sort of steampunk, grimdark, the architecture in Warhammer, which is this very like human hit dark ages around gothic europe it's just so cool um it really really appealed to me from an aesthetics and lore perspective and then i love me a good game so (laughs) (laughs) my boyfriend introduced me to it yeah well did he introduce you to the game first or to the painting first what came first for you or do you so actually he introduced me to the lore first under the premise that it was the game, but he knew that I was a nerd. So if he started like giving me pieces of lore, I'd be like, but how does that work with this? And then I'd dive in. So, and I did. Uh, <laughs> so he brought me with the lore first and then he started buying us figures. And we started putting the figures together while listening to audiobooks. So it was your first um, army. Yeah. And that's when we built our first armies. And then there's also who Warhammer. Were, who were the, what was your first army? I did the Sisters of Battle. 
Okay. They were a little bit more beefed up in the ninth edition than they are now. And that's when I started building was before the 10th edition, but they're still pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. all female, like super nuns, like yeah. space nuns. I, I yeah, made the mistake nuns. of saying I'm space yeah. nuns at some point. They said, nuns yeah. with guns is what I've been. Yeah. So the same thing. Those are the same things. Nuns with guns are sisters of battle. Sisters of battle. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So I played them. And then he started out building just a regular Astarte set. And then he went chaos. So now he plays chaos space marines. So we're my, and I have asked my husband this several many times. What makes them chaotic? What's chaotic about them versus the normal space marines? I'm sorry, Adeptus Astartes. You're <laughs> good. It's all colloquial. So the 40K refers to a time that is 10,000 years after year 30,000, which is, I think you may have seen Horus Heresy. Or references made to the Horus many, heresy. Yeah, many references yeah. to Horus heresy. Mm-hmm. So the emperor of mankind was alive in the year 30,000 and very much ruling the, the galaxy. He was basically doing a, an old school crusade across the universe to collect all of the lost pieces of humanity and bring them in under one umbrella, ergo the emperor. And then that's where you get the emperor protects and things like that. Mm-hmm. But he was secular. He was not religious at all and did not consider himself to be a god, which is its own fun mystery because by all accounts, he is one. So there's like a lot. Why is that? What by? by He does godlike things. He performs miracles. He's all seeing, all knowing, all powerful. But he didn't Uh, consider himself to be a god. But what insisted he was not a god and was not to be worshipped. So there's that whole, a lot of the lore. So Horus is his son. Horus kills the emperor in 30k. That's why in 40k, things are a mess. Everything is war because there was this giant civil war. Doom, doom. Yeah. Horus made a big bad boo-boo and 40k. Big bad is a phrase that is thrown around a lot. Yes. (laughs) Big bad. I've I've heard that so many times. Oh, he's a big bad. He's a big bad. It's true. So. What happens is Horus is corrupted by, they're called the Chaos Gods. And to travel in Warhammer with the spaceships, did you ever see the movie Event Horizon? No. Okay. Um, it's got Lawrence Fishburne, but essentially it's the same premise. In order to do faster than light space travel, you have to travel through a warp gate. Oh. And what it turns out yes. is that when you go into the warp, the warp yes. is essentially I've heard it. Yep. but to pass mm-hmm. through the warp you have to pass through hell and in this alternate dimension there are these chaos gods nurgle everything yes, like that nurgle. that's where yes. they <laughs> granddaddy nurgle granddaddy nurgle we called my son a nurgling until he was born and we still do some time <laughs> a nurgling yeah they like we will i'll send you a picture nurglings Please. are adorable so mm-hmm. horus is corrupted by the gods of chaos in the warp to kill the emperor because the emperor was keeping the chaos gods out of the real world, which is why in 40K, there are demons and chaos breaks through all the time. Basically, the gate that was being held shut was opened and then opened hardcore in multiple places and multiple periods through time. So the warp and the warp's corruption is able to permeate real time and real space with unnerving regularity. 
Nerving I, regularity, she says. I like that <laughs> phrase. Well, all the way. it must be. It must be that way because the books are like infinite, you know, and yes. it's just like every and then, you know, I've I, there are like different themes of books where there's like the detective. What's the one where the guy's a detective? Yeah. Yeah. Ignite is not correct. What is it? Eisenhorn. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That was I. That's something my husband said is like the first if you want to get into Warhammer, like reading the books. Mm -hmm. Eisenhorn is a really good first place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Because you end up reading it from this human point of view and human perspective. I find that because I dove right into Eisenhorn, Hell's Re I was all over the place. And the Horus Heresy is tough because it's 10,000 years before 40K. Uh -huh. So a lot of the rules are different. A lot of the, the time is different. The books are excellent, but it's difficult to jump forward to 40K and realize that everything's different when you get there. Yeah. So yeah, Eisenhorn is definitely How many the way books to go. are in the Horus Heresy? Like 60. Okay. Do you actually play tabletop then? It's not so we do. We live in the boonies. So there is a shop that has game nights near us, but we truthfully haven't made it out to that many times. What we did is we built our armies and then Alex built four more. So we actually have probably close to 200 figures at this point. Wow. Um, it's a lot. What we did in order to learn the rules uh, was we played more of a campaign style where Almost, we played like a very D and D version, which to me was actually fun. It was easier for me to learn the the rules and the flow of play that way. So we started out by just setting up a game with some stakes. And so, how when and you it, say it, D and D version, what do you? What about it? Because I've experienced one round straightforward, of classic, yeah. straightforward thousand point mm -hmm. game. So, how does a D and D influence affect a crusade? We didn't play with points. We just sort of wrote a little campaign story, brought in some characters, and then started practicing with the rules and introducing more and more rules and more and more of the classic points style play as we went through. So we just had continued to raise the stakes and raise mm -hmm. the battle size so that eventually we did arrive at a traditional thousand point tabletop game with our armies okay. lined up, but we were so fast at that point with attacks and rolling and thinking that's, command half, like that's that. half the battle, pun intended, is just the the rhythm mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm going to roll and then you do this and then I do the math to figure out what that is and then I roll again. That was half of the thing and I could see that just building up that muscle would just take some time. So thankfully, Alex was really smart about it and knew that like, if we just threw me directly into a thousand point battle, I might just leave like decide not. <laughs> just like, yeah, exactly. And I'm no he longer emotionally invested. That's right. And then and then we just built our way up to a very as close to the full rule as possible, straightforward tabletop game. And it was really fun because we ended up writing a lot of fun stories and like just having a lot of fun with the lore in order to make the game the game work mm -hmm. and by the time we arrived at the tabletop we'd also played the characters a bunch and i'd figured out who i wanted to use my thousand points on and oh wow this is what happens if i have too many melee characters up against a tank sure right uh -oh. learned all those lessons 
So we do, we do play, but I would say, honestly, we, we go back and forth between a sort of story RPG type play where it's more just kind of having fun, rolling the dice, exploring the world, mm-hmm. and then traditional 500 or 1,000 point battles, or we actually did a 2,000 point battle because he wanted to use his Titan. So how many points is a Titan? Oh my gosh, I think it's like 500. Or something. So that's so if you're playing thousand point game, that's half of your army. It's just a titan. Um, there was a guy at one tournament who literally only played a titan. What? He just brought it on. It's like this big figure. It's like it's like this. You have to carry yeah. it like this, and he just sits it on the. And that was the only thing we played. How did that? And it didn't go? win very much, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I think he won like one game, but it would make I'm things sure shorter, wouldn't it? He has to roll on a dice, though. Yeah. Like, right. 20 attacks at one point or something like that. Oh my god. I don't know. Gosh. Something ridiculous. Right. But right. So your interest in Warhammer, you and Alex's interest, has actually it's gotten beyond just the two of you and has gone out to what you actually do, mm-hmm. which is fitness. Is that yeah. a good word for it? Okay. So it's bled into other areas of your life. So Space Marine Workout. There was a demand for this, or you just thought it would be fun to make this well but excellent the thing with space marines is that they're very strong and very fast they're a super soldier and what our our company and our version of fitness is what we specialize in is getting people very strong and very fast so there was already this overlap where oh yeah what we you're building space marines on earth yeah so that's That was kind of how we started talking about it because we were like, okay, so what if a human had two hearts and three lungs and all of these modifications that come with being a space marine? How would you train them? What would training look like? How would you feed them? And a lot of these questions are actually answered in the books, which is really cool. But there's an astounding crossover of fitness and military and Warhammer. Mm, There's a lot a Let's lot of talk crossover. about that. Do you mean culturally? People who play. It's really interesting to me. and It's very fun. There's like this whole sort of subculture and fitness of people who play Warhammer and, and make the figures and are into the lore. And I think they got drawn into it because of the same sort of space marine. That's, I think that's how most people enter it. They're like, what is this? Either via a video game or otherwise. But the draw then, of being a superhuman appeals to some people in real life and then you know in a yeah. fantastical sort of way mm-hmm. and then you get the people who are like well i want to train i'm gonna you know do work a workout but i'm gonna emulate my favorite character or it's just it's fun like you get people actually it's like another form of larping you know is very much so huh very much so which again like i don't know i think it's super fun yeah so there's a tremendous cross section and then the fun part about it was being able to take all the people in fitness who don't know about Warhammer and make them go look it up or read about yeah. it or learn about it mm-hmm. in order to understand the, the template. Because the template itself is geared to be more like a military selection template, mm-hmm. obviously. But we snuck in a lot of lore references and a lot of, just a lot of little eggs. 
That had Easter to be egg. so fun for you because you said you wrote yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. Thankfully, Alex gave me the okay to do. We did a lot of themed chapter workouts. So I wrote a workout for the Black Templars, for example, or yeah. the Salamanders. They basically are all taken from, most of them are taken from their home planet, which is just super volcanic. So they have like black skin and red eyes. And they, a lot of them use heavy flamers. A oh, lot of them. They use fire. They are called the salamanders because they battle these giant lizard dragon salamanders on their home planet. My opponent had a had an army of salamanders when I yes. played. Yeah. And they're they're really cool because they're one of the very few, maybe one of the only space marine factions that believe that humans are not only worth protecting in theory, but they will actually make sure that every single human survives. They will sacrifice themselves to protect humanity. Whereas in a lot of other a lot of other factions, there's sometimes a little bit of contempt or humans are treated a little bit more like numbers hmm. where if 10 have to die so 20 can live. Yeah. Why do the salamanders not, handle that differently? What in their backstory? Yeah. So their Primarch, every single faction has a Primarch, their original father, which would be the emperor's son. That's where their gene seed comes from. That's where their genetics, their genetic code is taken from that Primarch, which is why they all look like a certain, a certain way because they all have the same genetics as their, their father, this Primarch. Vulcan, That's a key to understanding that I yeah. hadn't, I hadn't heard before. Okay. Go on. Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. So each, each chapter has its own Primarch. And by the time you get to 40K, there's a lot of extra little chapters that have like branched off. A lot of the Primarchs die in 30K. A lot of them are sent to the warp. So there's a lot of fracture. So you end up with a lot more than there were originally, but originally there were 20 chapters or 20 sort of different space marine factions. And each has the genetic material and general mindset of their father. So the ultramarines, the super blue ones, the like quintessential space space marine. That's Gilliman. He is sort of this very Roman type, cerebral master, like planner sort of. Okay. Okay. He's the All guy right. that treats war like a chess game. He's very diplomatic. Mm. He's often pictured with like the the Roman circlet. Of, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess leaves around his head. Very noble. And then you've got. Vulcan, who is the the daddy, salamander daddy. Salamander daddy, okay. Uh, He is very kind, very Mm. kind, very scary, but very kind, very into technology. So the salamanders do have a lot of high technology, high level weaponry. And then of course, they just use fire a lot. So, well, that is from whence they came. Yes. So, so when I wrote their workout, I just named it Fire Breather and I wrote it to mimic like when you get sort of fire in your lungs and you feel like you can't breathe or everything's on fire i wrote the workout to emulate that sensation and then in the beginning i put a little bit of lore and with the workout i basically insinuated that if when you're trying to rescue a group of humans you're going to put yourself in that dark place so that someone does the workout if they identify with the salamanders or they like the salamanders they also have to imagine themselves doing the things that the salamanders would do. Yeah. And where that would take them physically to help yep. them kind of get to that next level, which is what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but actually connect it to something that they they care about or find fun. So it was it was really fun to to write those and find. So there's this faction, um, the Lamenters. They're very sad. They sound sad. very sad. Yeah, look them up if you want to be sad. They're very unlucky. Oh, they're very unlucky. Know. So the way I wrote the workout is you have a dice, and each number is assigned a different movement. Oh, and so the workout, you literally, you will have a dice to do the workout. You roll the dice, and whatever the dice says is what you have you have to do. So if you oh, roll the same number unlucky. three times, oh, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it. That's the workout. And that's been the funny thing is people have asked me for chaos or chaos space marine faction workouts. And I just, I don't know how to do it adequately because I feel like there would just be so much pain. Uh, <laughs> so much pain. So to your, your question actually earlier, which was what makes them chaos. Remember I said the primarchs? Yeah. Like the fathers of each yeah. chapter. Sure. During the heresy, some of the primarchs, about half, also turned on the emperor and turned toward chaos gods. So mm-hmm. you'll find that each of those factions, at least one that is aligned with a chaos god, so the Death Guard are aligned with Nurgle. So they all look gross. They've got boils and disease and they look like plague knights, basically. And then the emperor's children align themselves with Slanesh which is like the god, goddess, god, goddess, really know it has a gender, of excess. And they have, they're called noise marines. They actually, it's hysterical. It's the most 90s thing ever. They have electric guitars and they play a noise that is so excessive that it kills their enemies. Does that tie into it all the, you know, like the metal bands in the 80s and 90s that they would, a part of the, the Games Workshop had the music label? And it was all this like heavy metal, which makes sense. But I mean, one hundred percent a suit. Yeah, right. They had to make it fit somehow in the universe. So yeah, because there's there's noise marines which have the the guitars. I think there's even an Aldari that has a maybe it's a bass guitar, sniper rifle, or something like that. The the references to like eighties and nineties culture are still very strong. Strong, huh? Splendid. Yes. The, the, okay, the thing that is very interesting to me, and I'm especially in, in the midst of writing episode four, it kind of talks about the silliness and the hopelessness, but how ultimately being involved in this does provide meaning. So how do you see, how do you balance out the absurdity? When there's a lot of very serious undertones to all of this. I mean, like, motivation and sadness and self-sacrifice there are all these very serious things alongside the silliness what do you make of that i think it's honestly it's very personal i think one of the biggest things that i've noticed is that as you explore the world and as you learn the lore you might have a favorite faction or you might play as a certain character or type of character but you never want to be them you never actually want to jump into the world and be them. Like the Sisters of Battle Space Nuns, they're awesome. They're really cool. They're also completely insane murderers. If you even breathe something heretical, they kill you. They're, they're completely insane. They're everything that in you know 21st century America we find to be completely just awful, honestly. Right. That's They'll just kill you. They'll a- kill you. 
Right. They'll take a heretic, they'll strap it to the front of a machine, and they'll drive that machine into battle and let them get shot. I mean, it's kind of terrible. So you've got this this group, and they're really cool, and they're really fun, and there's this this lore, and they look awesome, and you want to play as them, but you never really want to be them. A space marine. We all think they're really cool. They definitely don't really have too much personality anymore. They're basically neutered. They are superhuman. They live forever, but they know only war. They only know how to be soldiers. There, there's maybe one faction, the Thousand Sons, that had hobbies, and they got destroyed. So <laughs> it's interesting Oops. to me that by not allowing people to overly identify with any particular faction or any particular group, it's always, if you're running around going blood for the blood god, you know it's silly. Mm-hmm. If you're running around going for the emperor, you know at its core that it's very, that that sentiment might not even be real lore-wise. It might not even be. Because isn't there a question as to whether the emperor's even alive or. Divine. Yeah. Or alive or yes. There's a lot of questions there. So even then, you know, you're, you're praising the corpse king. Yeah. And you know it. So there's always this sort of degree of separation between you and the world that I think leaves people in a very powerful position where they can take the lessons of the characters that they like and leave behind what they don't like because there's a lot to not like. Mm-hmm. I think that when you do identify with a character like Eisenhorn, he's an inquisitor. He's supposed to work for the, em- the emperor. He's supposed to work for the imperium. But he dabbles in chaos because in order to obtain his goals, he can't do it following the rules of the imperium. It's to save humanity. Mm. Mm. he had the demon buddy and it's to save humanity Mm. but it's by all accounts very very illegal and very bad so even this eisenhorn character kind of walks the line between good and evil right and that's kind of the point of the the world and the lore i think is that at all times there there's no good guy there's no clear cut maybe the salamanders to be honest but they're just fresh but and I think in, in inserting yourself into that world and diving into it and learning about it and playing within it, that degree of separation, I think it leads to a little bit more, at least from what I've seen, people are more aware of who they are and they're aware of where they would not fit in the lore mm-hmm. and where they would not do well and where they would like to be more like characters. But there's also very much this idea of there's parts of them you very much would want to leave behind. And I think it's in, it's in that, that you get all these people that are very inspired by the, the attitude of the space marines and the way that they go to war and go to battle. But there's also this understanding that they're emotionless hmm. and or for the most part emotionless. They only know war. That's all they're good at. Hmm. They're soldiers. And that's it. There, there could, there's. There's potential for so much more that they aren't living up to, or they aren't. It's not possible for them to live up to. But They're you can not see their faults. For yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not That's, engineered for it. We were watching Sicario the other night, the first half, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spoil the movie. And I've only seen the first half, but essentially, it's it's they're trying to. Have you seen it? Am I speaking to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's Josh Brolin is the sort mm-hmm. of like your kind of protagonist and Emily Blunt's actually the main character she's a law enforcement like SWAT person that gets called into this team for the FBI but it's 
very questionable. She can tell something's not, something's not making sense. Mm-hmm. And they're essentially doing all this illegal activity. And Josh Brolin to me seems very space marine in that he knows he's doing illegal activity, but it's what he needs to do to save mankind, you know, like, or, or you know, walking, towing that line. You're talking about yeah. um, Eisenhorn, towing that line between how much do I tap into evil, evil forces or, you know, but, you know, that's the, mm-hmm. I think that's the part that really catches people is because even the chaos gods, they say that Nurgle is the one that if you were going to get taken by anybody, it would be him, which I disagree. I don't want boils, but he loves his children. He's the god of, of life and the chaos version of life, which is disease and the proliferation of fungi and viruses and things like that. But he loves life. He loves life. It just manifests as diseases. And you have Slanesh, who's excessive. She's vices, sex, music, rocks and rock and roll. I mean, that's, that's Slanesh. And you've got Zines, which is knowledge. And he, if you read too much or you learn too much, he can enter in and corrupt you. So it's this very much, even though chaos is quote unquote evil, there are times where you're like, also a part of real life, I suppose, is, is constantly balancing the pros and the cons of each of those things. Yes, we are not immune to dark forces. Right. And even watching something like Sicario, and I, I do some work with a nonprofit that helps to rehabilitate sex traffic survivors, sex trafficking survivors. Very heavy work. Heavy work, extremely heavy work. And there is a, there is a sense in our society where we want to cover up the darkness and we want to live in our comfortable houses and our comfortable lives but underneath that surface is a very dark underbelly and it's a very it's a very seedy world that we are we have our creature comforts in the midst of and it's almost like warhammer names all of that and puts that out literally plays it out in front of you yeah and in a in a like you said a slightly silly way at times or a slightly cartoonish, I, I want to say, but in the most respectful way possible, cartoonish way. Satire. Um, very satirical, very satirical, especially the way that it approaches things like religious zealotry and sort of fascism and all of those themes, very much satirical. But I think what the lore has done so well is that they've also developed Eisenhorn, a bunch of characters, a bunch of books where it's sort of taken that next step from satire where now it's its own world and it's almost believable. And even though you know, you know that the Imperium bombing an entire planet just in case there's a smidgen of chaos on it and killing billions of people is bad, right? A little excessive. Yeah. Seems extreme. But then you read about what happens when they don't and you read about the billions of people that are taken by demons and distorted and killed and committed suicide and and all of these awful atrocities that happened to these people because chaos took over the planet is it did they make the right choice then yeah so then you're just sort of in the in the world constantly thinking that you know what the right answer is and then being sort of forced to think do i and i think that's kind of the really fun part about the lore i say fun it's so heavy but I think that's the part that keeps people very aware of their humanity throughout exploring Warhammer. The way that I think something like Dungeons and Dragons, for example, you can create any character you want. 
The rules are very limb. You could just create the most fun, perfect. You could create an absolute Mary Sue and play that Mary Sue mm-hmm. all the way until 20 years from now and just live out life's fantasies through your character. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot do that anymore. Right. You are, you have been given bounds. You have been given ethical bounds. You've been given constructs that you have to function mm-hmm. within. Yeah. And you, it's really difficult to at times. It's, so I think in that way, because you can't entirely self-insert, you can't completely put yourself into that world and imagine that you're there. That degree of separation, I think, at least for me, is always the part where I see people taking almost more from the world as personal lessons. And you've seen that. You have literally yeah. seen people take personal lessons away from this. Yeah. And people that are just pursuing fitness or health or even just it's so funny because you you can't even belittle things like for the emperor or these like little battle cries or the sort of codex things that the the space marines say that help them focus i've heard people say them jokingly but also not jokingly to help them focus on a goal or to help them realize that they're the only person holding themselves back from that goal or to stop making an excuse because I think at at their core they are battle cries and I think a lot of us we kind of need one sometimes we need battle cries right and also it's good to know that there's a world out there that's so awful that you would never want to be a part of it it really makes our world seem a lot better you can't really Mm -hmm. complain about too much because you're not on an agri-farming world being ignored by the empire which would probably be what most of us would be Dealing with potentially being bombed at any reason, then the whole universe is gone. It's like, yeah, it's like the Death Star. Eaten by a tyrannid or it's very unglamorous. Right, right. So, okay, can we shift gears for a second to being a woman in this world? Yeah. In the times that I have witnessed gameplay, seen it Mm. in the wild, I have seen so many men and three women total. I know of one other, I saw one person, I know the women are out there. And in fact, Robert, the, my guide, said there are a lot more women than there used to be. Mm-hmm. But what's your read on why it's so male heavy? Is it as reductive as just the game is being about war and fighting? That seems, that seems so reductive. So I would, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Personally, um, and I don't think that most men gatekeep it. But I think that in its inception, I mean, even Dungeons and Dragons was a very male game, played mostly by men, but it quickly became, I would say, more egalitarian because you could create any character you wanted, you could play as a female character if you wanted. I think with Warhammer, a lot of the playable characters were male. Now they have entire factions of female characters or, or genderless characters, so that's much better. Representation even within the game is important. It's better. It's much better. Um, You have the entire Sisters of Battle. There are no men in that faction. And in the lore, in the books, I would say it's very equal. There are always women in positions of power. There are always women generals, captains. Um, There's the entire Minkalesque book series, which is about a woman. Now a bunch of lore about the Sisters of Battle. There's female inquisitors. There's female assassins. There's, There's women everywhere. It, there's not a book where there is not a woman in a place of power. So has it lore, always been that way or is that new? The lore is relatively new. 
in the in the form I think that we've been consuming it. I'm sure that you know in the olden days when it was just graphic the days of old general mm -hmm. stuff, they were focusing on playable characters. I'm sure, but now that you have people really fleshing out the world and writing in these characters, I mean, this started in the 90s. I think some of the books I'm reading were early 2000s, and they're very female. There's a lot of representation in them. Mm-hmm. And this is just mostly the heresy that I've been reading. But you'll find that. And if you read Eisenhorn, there are female characters. They are in positions of power. Mm-hmm. They hold influence. So, I mean, even in some of the books that I've been reading, some of the female human characters hold some influence over space marines. Like oh. the space marines care for them and take care of them. It's not romantic at all. It's just they have they have some influence. Um, so... In the lore, it's better. I think in the game, personally, there is such a barrier to entry, which is just buying the figures, making them, painting them, and then learning the rules, that there is a a mentorship that sort of needs to take place. You need to have a mentor, someone who brings you into the world and someone who shows you the ropes. And for a lot of women, that's their partner or a good friend, or something like that. But I think if you are a woman who does not have that person who is already immersed in Warhammer, you do need a bit of a guide. You need a mentor. They do have videos. They have stuff like that. But if you show up to a game night, and you walk in, and it's a bunch of dudes, what you really need is for one guy to go, hey, come play with me. I'll show you the rules. Yeah, right. But you also need to feel safe. You also need to feel comfortable in that community. There's just a lot of barriers. That's a really, and that's a really that great point. Mentors or guides would be huge, sort of a safe liaison for women to enter the world through, especially for gameplay. Because um, there's the other issue too, where if you're a woman and you're joining a group of, of guys, then you're like, oh crap, am I going to get a hit on? Is it going to get sure. weird? Is like, There's just a lot. There's a lot to deal with that if you have a boyfriend goes away. That's right. Yeah. Well, the, the like, one woman that I actually have on tape is, you know, she, she literally said, I just got into painting because my fiance liked it, but now I'm, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. But it, it was for her, that was her story is that her, yeah. you know, and for you, it sounds like it was the same. And it's not and because then, of lack of interest, but it's because there are all these barriers for feeling comfortable in the space. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, too, then you end up with like Alex and I, we play together. Or insular. I'm not going ill and I'm not playing at those game nights. So I'm not present. And that's something I should do better at. I should be more of a mentor to other women that want to play. I should be making myself visible. And I think that's something that women who play could potentially do better at myself included because I have a partner that I live with that I play with. Yeah. But that removes me from the overall environment, which I'm aware of. So I think. It would be really cool if there was an online community of women or women and men, doesn't matter, but just people who were focused on making sure that there was no gatekeeping and that becoming involved in the game was easier. Here's how to understand the current rules. And I know that they have that, but having it more directed toward women, because I, I see this a lot in fitness. People will be like, people know what to do. The information's out there. They know how to get healthy. They know how to get fit. All of it's out there. All of it's free. This is true. But if people aren't doing it, 
or people don't feel safe consuming it, or people still don't know where to start, then maybe the information is being sent out the wrong way. It's being presented the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's too complicated. It's alienating. Well, sometimes, sometimes it contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. You know, people will say literal in terms of fitness, yes. literally different things and mean different things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I could imagine like without knowing any lore, I mean, for me, I just chose the, bat- the sisters of battle because they were women and that's what I wanted to play. I didn't know anything about their play style, their numbers. I mean, there are women who completely break this mold and I'm not, I'm not speaking for all women, nor am I generalizing, but from my experience, what I have seen, and this is speaking about myself primarily, but also even just you and I agreeing on this with play style and games, I find that men seem to focus more on like the number side and like rigging things until they're perfect, until the math works out perfectly or Like Alex will play a game until he has every single achievement, every single weapon. And that weapon is 100% maxed out. That is his idea of fun gameplay. So I think too, if if you have a bunch of people talking about Warhammer play and Warhammer gaming from the perspective of like numbers, 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 numbers. You're only going to attract people who are interested in that. You have a person over here who would love playing, but that's not what attracts them to the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's another missed opportunity via communication about what excites them about it. Mm -hmm. Because Alex is there with his little calculator, like building his army. And I've picked all the figures of all the girls that I painted. I want this one. Because I want want my figures to be painted and look better. And that's not necessarily a female thing. Like there might be some males that would be more interested in the narrative or the, you know, something with a little bit more campaign. Just like there are males that prefer painting and literally just paint. Or males that just read the books. Yeah, so it's not gendered. Yeah, but I think that there could be an an improvement in communication, maybe from the real player types. Yeah, that makes it seem maybe a little bit less. You can play and have fun and not have the perfect army. Yeah, so I think a lot of people get hung. I got hung up on that. I was like, do I have the right Mm -hmm. figures? Do I have the right points? Have I chosen the right ones? And I didn't play for months because of it, Mm -hmm. and it was like. In all reality, I mean, whether or not you have the perfect army just depends on who you're playing against. I'm just gathering you have so many things in your life that are pulling you. you you've got fitness business, you're a, a new mother. What for you is the reason why you stay involved in Warhammer? Why you keep doing it? For me personally, the, the writing is spectacular on the lore side. So I think I'll continue to consume that inevitably inevitably indefinitely forever and always because it, it's going to take you that long to get through the hair <laughs> that's right um, i appreciate the writing quite a bit and i appreciate the the world building my degree is actually in fine art and i was actually going to go to school for animation and illustration but for graphic novels that was actually going to be my career path before i got into fitness so for me painting the figures and the art from the world is also very interesting. Uh, the aesthetics of the world is super fun for me. The shows, the cartoons, the fact that there's a show coming out. It's very rewarding to a lot of my personal interests. And then the play is just a fun way to sit down and actually communicate with my partner. Instead of sitting next to each other and consuming a TV show or a product, we could talk about it after it's done. We could talk about where it fits into the world. We can 
play a tabletop game together. We can take figures out and paint them and talk about how our days went. There's, there's so much in that shared hobby and in shared space. I mean, sometimes over dinner when we're both burnt out on fitness and neither of us wants to talk about another muscle ever again in our lives, we'll just talk about Warhammer for like an hour. You mean you don't want to talk about the Luteus Maximus? Sometimes you get maxed out on it? Sometimes you get maxed out on the max? Yeah, I do. I do. I really do. I guess I can Um, see that. (laughs) I think there's sort of that, that desire to, and I think maybe this is true for a lot of people just to get away from the daily a little bit and step into something a bit fantastical, but then also again, be able to maintain perspective the entire time of that. You're not in that world. I think it's actually really fun because you can just talk about it and be like, that's really interesting that this happened or man, this chaos God really messed up. And well, knowing that it came from time. real history, it was developed from war an archeologist's brain, right? From war. Then also looking back at how different dynasties have acted mm-hmm. and even how it can affect our own. Andy, this didn't make the, a, a cut of any episode, but Andy Chambers talks about Judge Dredd and yeah. the, so the comics and Judge Dredd, the character, how that was informed by society. And it was almost a way to play how what was actually happening. And I imagine in Warhammer, because the universe is so big, there are times when we see whispers of something that we've played in Warhammer or read about in our own world. Mm-hmm. And that's a further way to engage with what's happening around us. Absolutely. I think there's very strong themes of that. Very strong. And I, one of the most interesting parts about Warhammer for me is I'm a huge history nerd as well. And art history especially. It's interesting to see how in periods that are technically dark ages, when we lose the technology of the previous time, whether through disaster, famine, war, whatever, you will have humans look back on art that they no longer understand or language that they no longer understand and they make a religion out of it or they write a story about it. That is the furthest thing from the truth, but it's what makes sense to them when they're standing inside of this temple that's devoted to something they don't know or a painting on a wall and they make this assumption based on zero information. There's no technology. And it's, it's happened multiple times throughout our history to see that on a grand scale between 30K and 40K. And even in 30K, you're dealing with people who it's sort of this post-apocalyptic world where artificial intelligence destroyed humanity. And there's this big fallout and humans everywhere died. And you're picking up the pieces and discovering this technology that no one knows how to use and the spaceships are huge but no one really actually knows how to work them and everything's bioorganic because you've got ai that's not allowed to be used unless it's fused with a person so you've got servitors instead of robots it's just this big dark age exploration of what would happen if we forgot everything if well, we got to space and then we forgot everything hmm that we had infinite power and then we lost it and we forgot it. And I think that part is just so fun for me because it really shows up everywhere. And I think exploring that theme is really, really, really interesting because we're, not that I think we're headed in that direction at all, but it's very possible to, to have dynasty or 
a kingdom. It's happened how many times in our history? That comes up, 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 rises, mm-hmm. has all this technology, all this art, all this everything. And then you've got thousands of years later, in Warhammer's case, 10,000 years later, 20,000 years later, people are trying to understand what happened. Right, right. And misunderstanding what happened. Grossly. Yeah. Somebody was just saying the other day, what if, you know, what we were talking about memes. What if some of these cave paintings were just memes, you know, and they would have looked at the painting and said, ha ha, that's hilarious. Bungo was here. (laughs) You know, and we're all like, oh, this is man's way of discovering himself. He's so profound. Yeah, like this and is actually yeah, this, this is actually Django's sense. cave. Bongo walked in, put his handprint in, and was like, "Come on, you Django!" Like you don't know, right? Right. It's, it's the, 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 the it is. I mean, that's why satire is a thing. Is that it's it's just playing off of the absurdity of human Every- culture mm-hmm. to take itself so seriously, constantly. Mm-hmm. We want everything to have so much meaning. And mm-hmm. in that, we take ourselves so seriously. So the absurdity of the thing and the satire of the thing actually helps us loosen our grip a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Maybe explore the world with a little bit less personal attachment to how something goes or doesn't go. Hmm. Oh, that's one of my favorite things about it. It's just the absolute insanity and the humor and then the, the chilling realism at some points where you're like, Wow, that's actually really, really accurate or really real. Do you have an example of of one of those moments? In a lot of cases, chaos will enter into a person's mind by slowly manipulating them and playing off of a weakness. That's how they took over Horace, for example. He was very arrogant and he was tricked via his arrogance by other space marines, other chaos forces into believing that he should be the emperor of mankind and that his father was mistaken, blah, 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 his father needed to die. But in his sort of hubris, he still continues to get things very wrong. He makes a lot of bad plays and he reveals himself, even though he's this sort of like demigod, as this very fallible human. And the chaos gods, multiple times throughout the lore, will even say things like, Horus is our second choice. So here Horus is convinced that he want, he's going to be God and, and he's going to be the ruler of the universe. But he was only chosen because he was the easiest to manipulate. He wasn't their first choice as far as like a Primarch who could lead the universe or execute their will. He was just the easiest one to convince, wow. to do what they had to convince him to do. And I think sometimes even that, you know, you're talking chaos gods and a Primarch. You know, the, this is nonsense, the least, right? Yeah, complete nonsense, complete nonsensical. Nonsense. Uh how could you possibly relate to these characters but then there's always that moment where you're like okay so this guy should be smarter than this and yet he's not and how often do we manipulate people just because how often are we manipulated yeah right and how often are we seeing it in people in positions of power where they're convinced that they should have more power or they're the only Mm -hmm. ones that should have it or they become figureheads for something like we see it all the time Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's that sort of dark underbelly that kind of don't want to look at. Yeah, we don't want to look at our in ourselves, and then in in society as a whole, and the way that it's playing out. And I think that sometimes those themes, those thematic elements that play throughout Warhammer, pretty constantly 
sometimes they can be remarkably human. Mm-hmm. And a stark reminder, I think, of how crazy we could get if we forgot a few principal basic things or if we got a little bit too obsessed with an emperor as a god or worshipped a thing. The mechanicus worship technology. They believe flesh is weak, so they just let people die. Like it's, it's very interesting. There's there's a lot of very strong thematic elements I think throughout that, like you said, very much play off of current events, things that are happening to us or to people that we know or worldwide. And it's a bit chilling sometimes because you're like, okay, here's the silly universe, and like you said, this this extreme satire, and even then, it's a little bit too real at times. Yeah, that's the thing about art, right? Art imitates life and it gets real and that, that draws that both draws us in and then should be a warning to us. And yet we are imperfect creatures and very. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Niche to Meet You on the subject of Warhammer 40,000. You can learn more about the show at niche to meet you dot show. More episodes are forthcoming with some little-known hobbies and niche subcultures that are just truly fascinating. Remember to tell a friend or two that you like this show. It would help us immensely. I'm Leslie, and it's been Niche to Meet You. Hey, it's me again. Really quick, I wanted to offer an opportunity for you to give feedback on this show. If you're listening and you are into this hobby, it's a part of your life, I would love to hear from you. Did we get something wrong? Should we correct something? We are totally open to doing future episodes with corrections, but would love to hear from the people who actually play it. So if you go to niche2meetyou.show and scroll to the very bottom, there is a section where you can supply feedback for a particular episode or hobby, and we would absolutely love to hear it. Thanks for listening.